Welcome to Catholic Radio Indy's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler. I'm Kent Blantford. Each week, we'll bring you a sampling of some of the best Catholic podcasts being prepared and shared out there on the internet. This week, we start with a podcast from Being and Making Disciples with Dan Boyd and Justin Reyes. This episode takes on the question, why Catholics don't evangelize typically. Friends, welcome back to another episode of Being and Making Disciples. Today, we're going to talk about kind of the opposite of what we usually talk about. We're always talking about how to evangelize, share the good news. Today, we're going to talk about why Catholics may not typically do that. And we're going to reference an article by Father Dwight Longenecker from a few years ago, but it's so relevant to today. And we'll put the link in the show notes. But Dan, I'm excited to talk about this one. What comes top in mind? Why don't you think Catholics evangelize a lot? Um, so I would guess that, that one of the top ones is fear or hesitancy. Yeah. Like, but we don't even know where to start. And we're like, well, I don't, I don't want to be the weird guy. Like, I don't want people to, to yell at me. or I don't want people to, to be like, why do you think I should become Catholic? Like, what, what does it have to offer for me? You know, we, we think like, oh, I'm going to invite somebody to church. And then we're, we start thinking through that conversation. Right. It's like, Hey, do you want to come to church with me? Why? Why would I want to come to church with you? <laughs> Well, then I don't know about you, but then I started thinking about, well, what, 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 how do I handle communion? You know, how do I talk about that? And um, yeah, so I had a friend that was influential in my conversion who was Protestant, and he was not a fan of the Catholic Church. And at one point, I started to refute back towards him about why I'm Catholic. He said, you know, it's so rare to meet a Catholic who actually knows their faith and is ready to defend it. And he was kind of taken aback. So um, anyway, Father Dwight's got 10 reasons here. We're going to kind of go through each of them, but... You know, the article, Dan, for me, starts with a real knife to the chest because this <laughs> sums up the issue. Second paragraph here, it says that he was at a priest conference and a speaker was citing statistics about denominations, a survey of, of members of those denominations saying how important is evangelization to their understanding of Christianity. Mainline Protestants said 60%. 60% said evangelization is important. Evangelicals, 85%. Catholics, 3% folks. Oh, I mean, not even man. double digits. How oh, how embarrassing is that? Because yeah, we, we're yeah. missing what the church has always been saying. I mean, Dan, we talked about it from the beginning of the podcast, episode one. That's why the church exists, is to evangelize. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do we get here as a church that, that that's where we're oh, at? Oh, man. Could you imagine, like, going into a store and most of the employees did not know why the, the store, the store exists? <laughs> it's like, why, 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 are you, why are you here? Oh. So people come. <laughs> yeah. They'll just keep coming. They'll just keep yeah. coming. Yeah, they'll come back when. <laughs> that heart, oh, that man, hurts my heart, Dan. It is. It's. It would. It would be more funny. It'd be funnier if it weren't so awful. Yeah. Um, well, what are what are some of the reasons he gives? All right. Let's start with number one. Cultural Catholicism. A lot of folks born into Catholicism maybe don't understand the reason. The reasons why they should be Catholic, but that they're just Catholic, and that's just that's just the way it is. So they're they're Irish or, you know, Italian or uh, Cuban. I mean, you name it. I mean, almost every background. It's like you were Catholic. So what do you think about cultural Catholicism? Does it belong near the top, Dan? Um, you know, statistically, I don't know. I'd love to see if that's one of the things where like people's association with the faith is tri- is primarily tied to things like, um, like family tradition and, and heritage mm-hmm. and ethnicity. Um, I'm not sure that, that I would, I would think that directly translates to why. Um, but I could see there being some, some idea that people don't necessarily 
care about their religion any more than it's like they're happy they're born into it and they love it because they're born into it in fact i actually had a friend who did not know that you could become catholic he thought it was like judaism <laughs> and that you had to be born into it so when my friend found out that we wrote a book about evangelization for oh. catholics he told me he's like what like people can become catholic i thought you were born into that and I, oh. that's got to be a part of it like people they don't they might love their faith but they don't ever think about sharing it with other people because it's like well why would it like why would it tell a british person about being catholic i'm italian they're like they're british they're you know they're going to do yeah. their thing i'm going to do my thing yeah well i think it's also uh, crept into different aspects of the faith i think this is an issue in godparents you know godparents being more of like a family relation or a birthright or something but yeah, yeah. really the godparent is a whole different role so i mean how do we get around cultural catholicism dan how do we yeah that's a great question um i think we're it's getting a, like we're not gonna have to take care of that problem because it's <laughs> this is not a good thing but cultural catholicism is disappearing the people who are who are kind of cat like catholic by default are not so much anymore uh, but with you know yeah. with the godparent thing one of the most influential people in my life is my confirmation sponsor mm -hmm. and uh you know not exactly a godfather but I don't know my godparents. I haven't really, really had any contact with them at, like since, like I've never, I never remember meeting them. Um, yeah. And we just, you know, my parents lost touch with them. Uh, but my confirmation sponsor and I like still uh, are in touch and I love him and I'm so grateful for him. And I mean, it's just, he has, he has helped me stay Catholic and helped me grow as a man of God. So I mean, that speaks to the importance yeah. of choosing the right godparents and then, you know, not just uncle and aunt and not just your friends, but, like people who are really going to be a witness to you, so to your child. So um, don't be afraid to hurt people's feelings to pick the, like your kid deserves a good godparent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Amen. well, you know, that's one part solution, but we won't get to all the solutions today. We're going to stick on the problem. So now let's go to number two. Now in number two, this is an interesting term I've never heard before. And in fairness to father Dwight too, he doesn't have these in rank order. He says the most, the worst is at the last. But number two, he says over sacramentalization. So he's, being, he's basically saying there's too much emphasis on the sacraments that we can't see who is at the core of the sacraments or why the sacraments exist. Yes. About the sacrament without knowing who's there. I'm with it. Yeah. This, and this is a part of, this is an, excuse me, this is an extension of cultural Catholicism because the, there are these, I mean, they're literally outward signs but they're outward signs and we have forgotten who they point to. And so these things are like people baptize and confirm their children, not because like it's a rite of passage and rites of passage are okay. Like it's perfectly okay that it's a rite of mm -hmm. passage, but mm -hmm. that is a fraction of its, of its overall meaning and significance and value and, and why we do it. I'm going to go out on a limb here. And even though I might be on thin ice, uh, I, I recognize it was really difficult and painful, painful for people to not have access to the blessed sacrament. Um, when basically all public masses were shut down in the United States last year because of COVID. Um, and I think it revealed a, a misunderstanding of the purpose of the mass. And the majority of the complaints that I heard about were people saying, me, 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 I like, I need this. I need the blessed sacrament. I, and like, primarily we go to mass to offer fitting worship to the father and mm -hmm. I don't want to dichotomize this too much and say like, well, yeah. your, your union with Christ is not important. So it like, it is important. It, it's impossible right. to really rank. And there's efficacious them, but... graces in the sacraments. Yeah. There's, yeah. You know, 
but if um like what are we what are we upset about are we upset that we aren't getting our token because there are some people yeah. who definitely tokenize the eucharist i've heard i've heard i've heard a very a long devout catholic you know super involved person call going to mass is quote unquote ticket punch ticket punch. that's that's exactly the the problem i see and like if you if mass for you is not like this voluntary worship of god the father out of thanksgiving for the gift of salvation won by mm -hmm. jesus christ mm -hmm. then we have we have something to learn we got some we got some catechesis to work on well i think one and two make me both think of just that phrase going through the motions right you know if you're just catholic because that's you were born into it or if you you know just go to the sacraments because it's the right thing to do you're missing the point of both yeah. of those things indeed yeah well, what's number number three? Well, Not number in, three. in rank, but just in list. I am really interested to talk to you about this one because you're always talking about it. But he says number three, the problem is RCIA. Because mm. in his argument, he says it's often cumbersome and user unfriendly. And I agree with him on this part. We talk about cus you know, flock experience, right? Yeah, one of our, yeah, cons yeah. our key concepts from the right, book and right. initial episodes. So say he puts the perfect example here. If you have someone who's interested in becoming a Catholic, and you tell them about RCA, which starts in the fall. What do you do when they come to you Easter week and say, hey, I, I want to be Catholic. But then <laughs> he calls him Pastor Bob at the local Protestant church. says, come on in. Just sign in. You're, you're good. We'll baptize you next week. What do you think about that, Dan? Is RCIA, what? Yeah, where, where are there so some challenges? Here's the funny thing. like We've developed the system for RCIA, and the church has not asked us to do it like that. It's just we've kind of defaulted to, well, what do people do when they learn? Well, they sit in the classroom. And so... RCIA looks like a classroom, and so it looks and feels like a graduation process. But it does not, uh, it does not bring people into the community. It doesn't join them to the community and doesn't yeah, graft them onto process. the vine. And so, like, it's interesting. Like, the the catechumenate should be the most beautiful thing in the church, where the where people are met and welcomed by the community and accompanied and like gathered in and uh, introduced to lifelong friends and incorporated into meaningful relationship with other people. Um, and so as it should be, RCIA is awesome. As it is practiced, RCIA is understandably just seen as a, I think a, a set of hoops that you have to jump through and mm -hmm. people are, they're herded through like cattle. And it, it's like they're, then they're put into a holding pen with all the other cattle. And it's like, okay, wait here till you die. Well, the thing I often hear is what next, you know, they finish, they have, and, and yeah, those that yeah. dive into it and do it all like, this was amazing. And then they, there's no adult, or not enough adult formation waiting for them. There's not the next thing. And yes, mass is the next thing, but they're kind of left like yeah, a cliffhanger yeah. at the end. And Christianity is like, it's not just about worship. It is about worship, but it's about community. community. It's about living in relationship with our brothers and sisters. I mean, you go back to the book of Acts. Are we int introducing people into a community like what we see in the early church? No. RCIA is often, it's like, it's like getting off the airplane and going through security and you go past that point where it's like, you can't turn around if you go back here. That's RCIA. It's like, however much fun you had, you can't go back. And so the group yeah. of people that you just walked with and, and became friends with, mm -hmm. sayonara. Yeah, it would be really interesting to look at flexible, you know, creative models for RCIA. But that's probably for another episode, yeah, Dan. So yeah, RCIA absolutely. number three. Yeah, check out Nick Wagner and Team RCIA, everybody. They're great. There you go. We'll, we'll link them in the show notes. So number we four. We should have them on the show. But yeah, Ooh. that's another point. Oh, there we go. I love it. Number four. He calls it church or Jesus, and he makes some very, very good points uh, here. I love that. Ouch, I ouch, love ouch. That. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. 
He says too many, and, and by the way, he's he's a convert. He was an Anglican priest, right? Um, he came into the church with his family, so he's got an interesting perspective. But he says yeah, too many yeah. Catholics confuse evangelization with getting people to join the Catholic Church. The primary task of evangelization is meeting people where they are and introducing them to Jesus Christ. It is possible to do this without bringing in the Catholic Church with its whole devotional and sacramental system. I'm just going to read the whole thing, Dan. It's really good. It is possible yeah, yeah. to talk to someone in need and say, you need to get right with God. You need to say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's the first step. After they make that decision, they can start to attend church and learn about the sacraments and how to continue their relationship with Christ as a Catholic. The reason so many Catholics have a problem with this is because they are unsure whether they themselves have ever had that fundamental, rock-bottom, first-step conversion transaction. I can hear, I can like see people cringing when they hear this, like, what do you mean it's not about getting them to join the church? Jesus brings them into the church. Like we Je introduce yeah. people to Jesus. And then when they fall in love with the Lord, they want to follow him. And then we, like we, I think a lot of people like with great intention, their first inclination when they want to evangelize is to bring somebody to mass. And I actually don't think for most people, that's the right first step. It could be that, but that's why we discern. We understand where is this person and what yeah, it could really be for the right, in. for the certain, for a certain person. Yeah. Absolutely. But uh, like, the sacraments and like he said the devotions that that we as catholics practice those will seem odd to i think to put it lightly to most people and so like there are things when you are part of the culture of the church and you understand what we're doing yeah those things make sense and they're not foreign to us but until you until you have a relationship with the lord and you understand the sacraments and mass and all of our devotions as an expression of love for the lord and it's our offering to him. It's our thanksgiving to him. It's our joining in his praise of the Father in the Mass. Until you understand that, it's all going to seem very foreign. But a relationship with Jesus and, and experiencing his forgiveness, that's 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 essential. Um, yeah. That's what we want everybody. Like, Can someone go to heaven without praying the rosary? Yes. Do I want people to pray the rosary? Yes. But what do we, what do we want first and foremost? We want somebody to commit to following Jesus Christ like the disciples to leave everything behind and follow him because they're in a relationship with him not because they think he's a good idea not because the church has nice moral teaching but because he is God and he forgives us for our sins and restores us to new life in the father that's why we want people to that's what we want and then people become catholic yeah i think um we can look at scripture in john 6 the eucharistic discourse uh the thing is the disciples that didn't leave him when he made the claim that he was the bread of life, they had been following him um, for for a, for a while, right? Yeah. So then they were able to take that next step. Yeah. So um, anyway, yeah, start with Jesus. And, you know, I'm finding that <laughs> this is so silly. I even have to say this, but I'm finding the easiest way to evangelize. You just start, just talk about Jesus, talk about his love, talk about what he did yeah. on the cross for us, his resurrection, yeah. and then invite um Folks understand the beauty of, of being living that out as a, as a Catholic in his body of the church. But just start with Jesus. Start yeah. with Jesus. Make it and about it's okay. Jesus. It's okay if that takes two years or right. a year or six months. Like We're not saying we don't want them to be Catholic. I want everybody in the world to be Catholic. I will go on record. I want everybody in the world to be Catholic. Of course. Um, of course. And that we get there. We think we're going to get people there by helping them fall in love with the Lord. Yeah, of course. So bottom line, folks, let's. Start with Jesus. Start with yeah. Jesus. Start with yeah. Jesus. Amen. Number five. Interesting one. He says the social gospel. He says a lot of Catholics <laughs> think the church's primary way of evangelizing is by helping them. 
Um, and he says, however, do, just doing those things isn't enough. We need to give people the bread of life as well as a sandwich. Yeah. Yep. Wherever the gospel of Christ is not proclaimed, there is no true evangelization. Yeah. I don't know where that is, but that's a church document. I'm going to look it up. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, absolutely. It, it's part of it's part of Christ's ministry is, is loving our brothers and sisters in need. But Christ, Christ primarily came to give us himself the bread of life. So you always remember that even as we're doing those things, too, to make it clear who we follow, why we follow him and share that love of Christ as we do those things. So, yeah. OK, so that was that was Paul the Sixth Evangelii Nunciandi. Nice. Um, there's no true evangelization if the name, the teaching of Jesus is not proclaimed. There you so, go. Hard pill to swallow, but it's from he's, a pope and, and, he's talk, and encyclical. And he's talking about Jesus. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Love it. He's, he's saying, let's start with Jesus. Let's not, start with Jesus. Not, not bingo. Yeah. So number six here, we talked about this one way early on, ignorance. Too many Catholics simply don't know their faith well enough to share it. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Yep. Not much more to say, but yeah. I, I, really like, I really like what he says in number eight. Cliffhanger while we get through seven, because I think six and eight are really connected. Now, here's an ouchy moment for us, Dan. Number seven, he says, the promise, professional Catholics. He says, for so long, everything in the church was done by the professionals. Priests, bishops, sisters, and brothers did everything and did the church work. He says lay people were there to pray, pay, and obey. But I think there is an issue now, too, with us lay people. Honestly, yeah, yeah. we're the evangelists, you know, or whatever. But um, that 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 can that can get in the way, you know. But I don't know what else to do about it. It's like, I was called into this, you know. So I don't know what yeah. else to do, but we're, yeah. we're here. But we, we keep trying to tell everybody else, yeah, we're here, but you are, too. This is just where we happen to be in life. We need tent makers. We need a whole group of tent makers. And here's what I mean by that. St. Paul chose tent making as a profession either knew it or he chose it so that he could travel easily and be around crowds of people and evangelize. So it behooves us to choose careers that allow us to evangelize. And that means we take into account our ability to travel or our, it needs to support us and we need to have sufficient time to evangelize. Granted, like family is our primary, vo our primary vocation. Um, but we should, we should make sure that we have opportunities to evangelize. So if our right. job is making us work 80 hours a week, it's not letting us evangelize. So uh, I'm not going to get into the position of telling people how to choose their careers and how to, right, how to build right, their right. schedules. Yeah, that's, but, that's a different podcast. You can listen to other yeah, podcasts about yeah. that. But but make sure you evangelize. Yeah, just evangelize. And, um, you know, so we all play a role in, in Christ's mission of evangelization. You know, I mean, ever since Vatican II, there's been more lay people stepping into roles like those that we have. But it's just what the Spirit's doing. We all we all play a role. We all are part of it. So, yeah. Um, I'll move on to number eight now. I think it's really connected with number six. So six was ignorance. Now, number eight, I really like what he said, because I just, I want to just yell it from the rooftop. He says, a slack use of resources. And he specifies, there's not a lack of resources. I repeat, we can all agree. There's not a lack of resources. He says, there are more than we can handle. There's amazing resources. I find new resources every day. Every day, they're professionally produced. And he, he says, they're orthodox, relevant, attractive, dynamic. It's not the lack of them. It's the lack of people who will, who will use them. Um, so what do you think about that, Dan? We're just not using the great tools around us. Um, I, I think I agree with that to a, a large degree. Um, one of my coworkers says we need to focus on the archer, not the arrows. Um, and so the, like the arrows are important. We want good arrows, yeah. but I'd say this is like good, good tools are, are necessary, but not sufficient. The real thing is we need people who can, who under, who have been evangelized right. and then know how to evangelize. And well, so, yeah. Go ahead. 
Well, two two things, right? And that's why we have this podcast in the book. We're focused on the on the archers, but I'll I'll tell you, I'm going to caveat what I said before. You're you're right. As I was hearing you talk, there is there's one issue I, I would disagree with Father on one thing. We're not thinking about the target enough. For example, I was Correct. on a very popular website for Catholic resources the other day. I searched for over an hour, Dan, and you know you know what I was looking for to show a group of people who are likely haven't been evangelized in a while. I was I was praying a talk to people that you know probably um, aren't practicing. Right. Yeah. And I just wanted a video on like, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? It took wow. 90 minutes searching to find that. And it, and it made me realize 99% of the content on this website is for people already yes. practicing yeah. the faith. Yeah. We need new stuff to go to that next level so that the archer has the right bow for that target. That's, that's, that is a missing piece right now. Yeah. And it's, it's tough because Catholic publishers and, and media companies, they need to make money. And the people who are going to spend money on Catholic content yeah. are people who are already exactly. committed to their faith. And so exactly. it's a challenge. We need people who are willing to go out and, and make things that are entry level, just the like bite sized stuff for people it's almost like some there was a website at one point or a channel called bite-sized catholic yeah you remember that one dan yeah that, yeah that, it, it, it's still clicking on it's 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 clicking on life support you know it, it's something that uh it's something that's in that's in the back burner right now but i will tell you that um i think that one thing though is we can never lose sight that that we are the primary bow the lord wants to use i was in this uh, discussion yeah. at a men's conference one time and one guy was like, hey, you know, we need a resource to help guys encounter the Holy Spirit. Where's the resource? And I stood up and said, guys, you are the resource. Yeah. Not rely on a video or a book yeah, for everything yeah. that you do. So I don't know. There's, there's a lot of aspects to this. But I, I think bottom line for me is I agree with him for the most part. There's lots of great stuff, but I don't think it's stuff aimed at the right at the right people all the time. We need more stuff for, for those not practicing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay, number nine. These are so he says the yeah, worst are at the end. end. So we're getting to the we're getting to one. He says are the worst. Okay, so number nine. He says indifferentism. This is the widespread feeling, and he put in parentheses and teaching that mm. all the Christian denominations are pretty much the same. It doesn't matter where you go; choose the one that you like best. I've heard this phrase before that he cites. You know, we're all climbing the same mountain. We're just going up different paths or different things like this. Yeah, I've heard that, and yeah, we need we need to understand. Why Catholic? Yeah, I you know, I think that actually gets back to one of the very common reasons why people leave the faith is because they say they see I heard this in a great homily this Sunday. Um the uh, the priest said the number one reason, I don't know what source he was using, but the number one pe reason people give when they they say they why they left Catholicism was because they never met Jesus in the church, which is a shame because Jesus is there on the altar. There's there's a couple of very popular non-denominational Christian singers that have, have left the faith. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's part of the reason for it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, that's there. And I, I don't know that I would call it indifferentism. I would call it a failure to enter, to help people fall in love with Jesus, because if they fell in love with mm -hmm. Jesus, they would, they would not be indifferent. Well, I think an important part of this conversation, this list is that we're talking about people who aren't practicing. Okay. So you'll hear indifferent. It was like, what, you know, for our audience, you might be thinking, of course we know why Catholic. We're talking about the people who aren't coming, the culture out there. And I think yeah, number yeah. 10 is is a trigger. It's a, it's an example of that for sure because when I read I was like, what, really? But that's because we're only around the people we're around all the time, right? And number 10, he says, is the, is the biggest crime against this, why Catholics don't evangelize. Universalism. 
He says the ugly twin sister of indifferentism, the teaching that God loves everyone so much he would never send them to hell. Why bother? Why bother yeah. with Catholicism or religion? Universalism. He says that's the biggest problem mm. on why Catholics don't don't evangelize. What do you think about that, Dan? Um, this belief is out there. I don't know if it's why people don't evangelize, but it is out there. Like I think it's probably For the one majority of, of Catholics. Things. I think is they, it why like, the majority of Catholics who are on the books Catholic don't evangelize because I don't of think universalism. So. I, I think this is this is I think people believe this. They're like if you're a gen like there's a handful of people who they think go to hell, but they're generally yeah. dictators and terrorists. Um, right. And everybody else is is a pretty cool person. Um, I, but I don't think it's why they don't evangelize. I think like I, I'm not saying that I I think I don't think Catholics don't feel this way or a large number of people don't feel this way, especially kind of non-practicing the, the more culturally Catholic people who, who don't attend all that often. I think they do, they feel that way, but I don't think that's why they don't evangelize. I think they don't evangelize because they have not been told to, and they have not been prepared. Yeah. They, they don't, they have not fallen in love with the Lord and therefore they do not feel compelled to share his goodness with other people. I think that's the, that's the biggest reason. That's the that's an interesting take. Well, I, I will tell you that it's surprising times how much universalism can creep into the church. I remember talking to, Someone at a parish once, very high-level leader there in terms of lay leadership, parish council president. I heard them say so many things that were in the realm of, you know, just um, relativism, you know, about the church's teachings. Yeah, yeah. That is is a, a plague, a cancer within the church, this this thing. But I, I, I see where you're coming from, that that might not be the primary reason why. The bottom line is if you fall in love with Jesus and he has changed your life, and, yeah. then, and then and then if you believe he is there in the most blessed sacrament and everyone needs to get there, oh my gosh, there is nothing you would do to not proclaim that. So it 100%. all comes the solution is encounter, Dan, just encountering Jesus. Yeah, I really That's like, the response. Here's here's an analogy. Um, I don't think people have a universalist reason for not talking about diets. Like I don't think they don't evangelize oh, their their diet because they think all diets are are just like they're just as good as one another. I think the reason they don't talk about a diet, like the reason some people don't talk about diets is because they're not passionate evangelists. Like they haven't fallen in love with a diet. You meet somebody who thinks that keto or paleo or whole 30 is the best way to go. And like there's because there's it changed their life. Yeah, it, it changed, changed their life. It's like in the same thing with CrossFit. Like, how do you know if somebody does CrossFit? They already told you about it 15 times. How do you know if somebody's on keto? They told you four weeks ago. Like yeah. the, when when things change our life, we tell people. And so the reason we have not told people about Jesus is because we have not allowed him to change our life yet. Amen. So uh folks, to kind of end end this episode, we'll we'll end there with that's that's the solution, you know, encounter, and it begins with us. So yeah, keep, keep your prayer life strong. Uh, you know, keep your sacramental life strong and then you'll just overflow with love for God and his Holy Spirit to just go out and share the good news. Dan, last question for you. Anything missing from this list? I think you already mentioned maybe one or two things you sh that should be on this list, but if you had to sum it up for you, what's the number one reason Catholics don't evangelize? Is it what we stand it with there? Yeah, they haven't fallen in love with the Lord. That's the biggest one. Yeah. Also, sorry, CrossFitters. I'm not trying to hate on you. CrossFit's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we're just jealous because we don't do it, you know, but... um. Anyway, I agree with you, Dan. It's encounter. So, so folks, we just encourage you to encounter our Lord. Go visit him in the Blessed Sacrament. Maintain your prayer life. Encounter him in his word. He will give you everything you need to go and share the good news. So God bless and go.
Make disciples. Make disciples. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler. Our next serving comes from goodcatholic.com. This is Episode 9 from their podcast series, Catholic Coffee Talk, with Father Brad Doyle, exploring God and time. How does that work? Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Coffee Talk, a podcast where in between sips, your Catholic questions are answered. I'm your host, Father Brad Doyle, and I have with me our resident good Catholic, Peter Gohn. Peter, what's up? Not much. Not much. How you doing? Doing good. Still riding the wave of uh, of changing parishes. Mm-hmm. Still getting excited. Mm-hmm. You know, I went this past week or a couple of days ago and uh, back out there to just meet with staff and continue the transition process. And yeah. at the end of the my meeting, I said, Hey, where do I, where should I eat in town? Like, where's it? Well, first I kind of hinted, I was like, so where are we going to eat? And everyone was like, well, we're going to eat. We're going uh, over here with our families. I was like, okay, that was not a invitation. So I'm, where am I going to eat? <laughs> where should I eat? And, uh, and, they gave me a couple of places and there's this place called the St. Francisville Inn. Okay. It is chef's kiss. It's just, mwah. is it, it like is a, so, a restaurant attached to a little like inn? There's like a 11 room hotel uh-huh. on this old inn amidst like old Oak trees on a bluff next to the Mississippi river. And there's this little restaurant bar mm-hmm. uh, called the saint. The okay? saint. The okay. saint. So I'm like, I'm going there. So I just show up and this is what, this is kind of my, my shout out to people. Like wherever you end up, don't be afraid to put yourself in situations. So I just like walked in, in my collar and I'm going to sit down at the bar. I'm going to order. And it's kind of awkward at first when you're in a new place, but I just plop down. And by the end of the night, I had met like two different groups of parishioners, this retired Anglican priest bought me dinner. Um, I met the owners. I was, I mean, it it was like, uh, now I'm a regular. Okay. By the end of the night, I was a regular and I know everyone's name. It's like cheers, you know, it's the bar where everyone knows your name. And now I'm one of them. And that is important, man. Like they saw the priesthood and and in out there and that's not everyone's gift, but it's kind of one of mine. So I'm pumped about it. Yeah, that's that's really neat. I'll tell you, I have never had a bad experience with small, like little small town inns. You know, mm-hmm. um, I used to live around the corner from one, and this is when I was in a tiny little apartment just out of college, and they had a piano in like their their lobby, not lobby. Again, it's just like a, almost like a bed and breakfast with like eight nine rooms, but exactly. just a little like living room. You know, they had a piano, and I played piano, and I had nowhere to play piano, so I just wandered in one day, and I was like, hey, can I just like. I just play some music. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then they liked it. And so they kept like kind of inviting me back, not to like pay me or anything, which is fine. Cause it was just like a hobby for me, <laughs> but it was just like, yeah, just for an hour or two in the afternoon, I would just come and just like play some music and it was fun. And I just got to know them and they got to know me. And I'm, I'm usually not like an extrovert to go and like meet new people. So small town inns, man, they're, they're great. I got something. Did they at least allow, allow you to like leave a tip jar? Like I, honestly, like no. Jar? And I, I didn't even ask. I didn't really care. I was half the time I was practicing. So it wasn't really like, pretty <laughs> wasn't pretty um and i was just like playing for like the staff as they were you know turning over the dining room and stuff like that so well when you come into new orleans next we'll all go to 
uh, Pat O'Brien's the dueling pianos. It's oh, like geez. there's two different people. Uh, there's two pianos facing each other, and one side they, you know, you'll, you'll request, you give a little ten dollar tip, yep. and then your 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 request moves up the ranks past all the other noobs who don't know to give the ten dollar tip, and then they play your jam, you sing it, and then other people, and then they give it to the other guy, and he battles that person. It's really cool. That's that sounds like a good time. It's very good. You know what? All that talk of music and bars, it got me percolating. That was a very bad transition. But, you know, it worked. What's percolating? Where the questions percolating in your head get answers from the church's tradition. Peter, take it away. What we got? All right. So we got two questions from listeners that were really similar. So I wanted to just tackle them both together um, at once. So Jim asks... If there's no time in eternity, how can we spend time in purgatory before entering heaven? Right? Mm. Like, how does if there's no time in eternity, how do we have spending time and also before, like one before another? Is yeah. So how does that work? But then, similar to that, Kathy asked her own question, and she said, "Since there is no time for God, who always has been and always will be, but creation has a timeline." what might God have been doing before creation? So <laughs> this is just like God and time. How, how does that work? <laughs> These are really sum, good questions. Sum it up. God and time. <laughs> how does that work? Exploded, yeah. exploded head. Um, okay. I, I, I will sufficiently answer it. I will comprehend it and I will have the right answer and it will not be wrong. I'm just joking. That's kind of hard to explain. Uh, no one can really comprehend it, but right, we'll do our best. Um, but here we go. Let's let's take Jim first. Uh, Jim, snap into a Slim Jim. Remember Slim Jims? Anyway, Jim, I hope you enjoy a Slim Jim or two every once in a while. When we speak about time and purgatory, uh, Jim, we're only using analogous language. So that's like number one. When you're thinking about time mm-hmm. and God and eternity, purgatory being outside of time, a part of eternity, uh, all the language we can use is analogous. Uh, it's important to know, uh, especially taking into account the various indulgences that claim a certain time out of purgatory. Because this was kind of maybe uh, part of Jim's question. You might have a prayer card that says, you know, praying this gives an indulgence, a plenary indulgence, a, a full indulgence, or right. sometimes prayer cards say, you know, a thousand days out of purgatory. Um, right. Not sure. Well, I, I know that there's like this tradition and it might have been helpful to think about it that way at some point in time. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is. I don't know if it's extremely helpful right now right. with our understanding because it might confuse us to only continue to, to think of purgatory in our temporal uh, mindset. Does I, that make sense? Yeah, I've seen them phrased as in like it will alleviate the te- was it temporal punishment due from sin. Right, so it alleviate that suffering to the equivalent of suffering for this this much time. So it's like just in the, it's not saying oh you get this much time like off your sentence so to speak. It's not like that. But it, they're trying. I've seen them try to phrase it in a way that's a little more clear. That it's just it's the, the whole reason we're using time is because we're trying to quantify a certain amount of suffering due to sin. And like you yeah. have to quantify it somehow. Um, 
But what you can't say, if we're going to be true to, uh, you know, theology and our understanding of right. eternity and purgatory and all that, is you can't say, uh, okay, this person will not experience uh, 1,000 rotations of the earth, you know, around its axis <laughs> right. in relationship to the sun. Yeah, okay, that's not what we're talking about because it's outside of time. And so, um, so that's it. Basically, that... You know, yeah, so it's like says, if, if you were going to suffer for, say, a thousand days or 500 days or a year, whatever, whatever it was we said, right? If you were to suffer for the entire duration of that time and then you could bottle up all of that suffering, that is how much suffering you might. What's the word? Um, experience? Yeah, you might experience all almost at, at once, but even at once means there's time. That was the scariest thing you've ever said. <laughs> a thousand days of suffering. If we could bottle up all that suffering, you know what it made me think of? It made me think of uh, the Princess Bride, you know, that oh, yeah, yeah. That thing he's on and he keeps turning up. I just up. one day off of your life. Exactly. How and do then, you um, feel? the guy you see this guy and he's in the tree yeah. trunk or something within yeah. underground and he's like yes my name is <clears throat> so anyway <laughs> and he's got this regular voice even though oh gosh if you haven't seen the princess bride oh, such, go do it such a great because movie. that might not be theologically correct but their understanding of marriage is absolutely theologically correct it's true i believe um okay so kathy moving on to kathy so jim real quick before we leave jim you said, you asked, uh, what might God have been doing? Oh, no, no, that's Jim. Okay, hold on. Going back to Jim. How can we spend time in purgatory before entering heaven? The answer is we can't, right? Because there is no time. We might use it as an analogy, but uh, it's not actual. Right. Yeah, yeah we, have, we have to put it in terms we can understand, and we are creatures right now bound by time. So we have to put it in those terms, right? Is that kind of... Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. It's helpful sometimes. And, and purgatory uh, is a process, not a place. I know we've said that on the podcast before, too. It's a process not a place this is this is a, a a hard thing to do try to explain purgatory and the timelessness of eternity without using the word time because we keep we keep saying like sometimes and then time, <laughs> time, time. um okay kathy since there's no time for god who always been and always will be but creation has a timeline what might god have been doing before creation okay good question kathy um i'll start with this like most questions about heaven are difficult to answer because in order to approach them at all, we have to project ourselves onto the reality. We were just talking about this with Jim. We project our timeliness, right? Our, our, our uh, fin finitude mm -hmm. onto eternity because that's all we've experienced. Um, it reminds me of this Thomistic phrase or axiom. Say Thomas used to say it. Um, I'll, I'll do the, the Latin first and then translate it. Quid quid recipitor recipitor ad modum recipientis recipitor boom okay it means this whatever is received is received in the manner of the receiver okay usually when we say this phrase i right it's it's received in the mode of the receiver saint thomas is talking about that when we're speaking the truth to somebody we have to take into account where they're coming from 
in being effective in expressing what we're trying to express because they're only receiving it from their perspective. So it doesn't right. matter where you are. You might have had, you know, a thousand classes on Thomistic theology or, or dogmatic theology or moral theology. You might have, like, you've gone to thousands and thousands of masses. You've spent your whole life worshiping God, and that's your perspective. And that might be true and good, but they haven't. So your job as an evangelist is to speak the truth to them and have them receive it. You got to take it into account for where they're coming from. Well, mm -hmm. we kind of can flip that back to us and realize that we only receive in the mode of how we receive, right? So, so uh, we sometimes project because of our situation as being in time. We tend to project that on eternity. Is what I'm what I'm getting at. So it's, it's basically hard. It's going to be impossible for us to receive the truth and understand the truth about what eternity is because of the mode of our reception, where we are. We're, we're yeah. just temporal beings. Just for the fact that we're bound so we here on Earth in space time. Yeah, it might be. You might think that's a cop out, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so we're limited in our understanding by our own experience of space and time. Um, an example. Here's an example I came up with it may be hard for a middle schooler to even want to go to heaven <laughs> if heaven is described as eternal worship of God, right? So let's say you say heaven is the eternal worship of God, which is what it is. It is, yeah. But it, because of their position as a middle schooler and their own, you know, experience of maybe even their own, you know, imperfect or insufficient experience of mass of eternity, they might think mass is boring to me. And eternity is a long time. Therefore, a really long mass seems like hell. <laughs> like, I don't want to do that. So maybe kids or middle school would be like, I don't want to go to heaven if heaven is a really long mass. Yeah. Now, logically, that's actually sound. But it's false because it's built on false premises. One, that mass is boring. Mm -hmm. Worship of God is boring. And two, that eternity is just a really long time. And that's not true. It's not like... Uh, here but for a long time mm -hmm. it, it's outside of time it's the eternal moment so it's never going to get boring and so we have to have a, a, a correct understanding um of, of reality if we're going to receive something so apply that to our situation we may find it hard to understand what god was doing for eternity because we are picturing by that us we're picturing ourselves doing things we do here for a really long time. And that, and that doesn't make sense to us. Mm -hmm. Right. And that fact, it's kind of like hellish. I don't, I don't want to like, think about what it's like when you're sitting at a desk, you know, on a Friday and it's clicking and four o'clock's not coming or five o'clock or wherever you get out. And you're like, I don't want to do this for all eternity. Well, that's not what heaven's going to be like. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so the simple answer is what was God doing before all those are kind of weird things to say about God and uh, and eternity because before doesn't yeah, really make like sense. Before doesn't apply. There was doesn't there apply, was, There's no before before because there just can't be. I love it. Uh, simple answer is this: He was. Think of Jesus yeah. saying, "Before Abraham was, I am." Right? God is being itself. It helps to truly take recall that God is not 
it's not simply a really old bearded dude floating around in the sky. Okay. Um, he is being itself. And when we understand the true nature of God, um, then, then we can recognize that before the timeline of creation, he just was. And how is he, how is he revealed himself as an exchange of love, a Trinity of persons. So he didn't need creation to exchange love because he is a Trinity. Um, and he existed in the eternal moment. Um, just love. He was, he was love. And that concept I mean, you can just, you can spend your whole life just thinking about it and meditating on that. But I think it's uh, probably really useful maybe in prayer to, to meditate on that in regards to scripture and salvation history. Because when God was speaking to Moses in the burning bush, right, I am who I am. Right? He, I don't want to slip into heresy here, but he was experiencing, like he, he didn't change later and then add his son and then his son entered history. Like God is always how he is so in that mm -hmm. same moment you know he is the same god who is dying on the cross and revealing himself he's the same same god who is kind of in that moment revealing himself to to us now um you know the, the christ on the cross is the same that's the same moment that we witness in mm -hmm. the mass mm -hmm. transported okay, through I like time, this. yeah so know? god's our experience of god now is less of uh, of like us pulling him out of eternity and more us experiencing eternity us right. going into eternity right. like he is who he is uh, but we are experiencing him and his eternity so right. it's yeah i get so that's why the before doesn't make sense that's a pretty good insight you know, peter th and this is totally different and really random you ever see that movie arrival yes i have do you know where i'm going with this uh, I don't want to spoil it if anyone hasn't seen it because it's a movie that shouldn't be spoiled. Well, then, if you haven't seen it, turn us off and never listen to us again. Except listen to us again, just maybe not the rest of this. Okay, so just turn it off and listen to us again later. But basically, someone, a character in the movie, gets the ability to remember the future. She, like, she doesn't learn the future. I mean, she kind of does, but it's, she's still living moment to moment, but like she can see kind of forward in time as to what, what will happen. And she can remember what she will learn. And it's kind of this weird foreknowledge thing um, that coexists simultaneous with free will, which is also really interesting. It's a great movie. Regardless, back to, I think we finished up, Kathy. Um, that's a great question. I think it all comes down to just us having insufficient ability to express eternal truths with our temporal experience. And um, so what did God do before? Um, well, there was no before. And our understanding of do is different than the reality of the Trinity. Right. So, um, so he was, and that's, that's, mm -hmm. cool. that's awesome. That's what we'll experience. That's why it won't be boring. Yep. So anyway, I think it's time for the Bean of the Week. Uh, we all need a little pick-me-up. Here's ours. So uh, what, what's your bean, Peter? So I mentioned that I was traveling up to, to Pennsylvania, but when I got back, my wife and I, we got back, we had like two hours or so um, before we had standing plans to see some really old friends who happened to be here 
in Charlotte at the same time that we were out would, of town. I would, I would rather you refer to them as elderly friends, okay? <laughs> got to be better about that. I'll do my best. I'll do my best. Okay. Anyway, so we invited them over, and we were like, we're exhausted. This is going to be pretty terrible. Like, we have nothing prepared, but please come over anyway. <laughs> You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you've been kind of in that same situation where I was just like, you guys know the score. We're exhausted. We have a baby, but please come because we never get to see you. So they came over. We wound up having like seven people over, including my wife and I. And uh, it was just great. It was absolutely great to see, you know, just, you know, uh, just these old friends, like really good people. Um, and it was a real treat. So that was a real pick me up. But one particular moment really stuck out. So I we just threw some burgers on the grill and we had a little bit of a fire of in the That's fire pit. That's your totally, totally. And like they brought beer and it was just a great time. Real casual, really great. Uh, but we didn't have like s'mores um, materials, but we made a little fire in the fire pit. So like dug around in our pantry and I like, found a few marshmallows, found some graham crackers and found like, like half a chocolate bar left. And we said, all right, let's just, I'll just offer it to everyone, you know, and it's just whatever. This is what we have. <laughs> like, we're not prepared. Just, this is what we have. And, yeah, exactly. And it was, it was really great. And we had seven adults, right, seven of us, and there were a couple of little ones running around. Um, but everyone made us some more, okay? And then at the end gotcha. of the night, everyone leaves and, um, you know, kind of cleaning up. We're getting ready for bed. And I see that there's still a little bit of chocolate left, right? Just a tiny little bit because we had less than one bar of like Hershey's chocolate and everyone, uh -huh. everyone was so concerned to make sure the next person had some, that there was still some left over at the end. And it was just wow. like, so like wholesome and heartwarming for me to be like, oh, okay, my friends are good people because mm. everyone was thinking of the next person. Um, yeah. Well, you're lucky I wasn't there. I know. I was gonna say if, if I had been, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I would have been that good. I would have been like, well, I probably, this one off. I probably took more than everyone else did, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what if you apply the weird, uh, sketchy uh, priest move by saying, like, it was it was somebody who uh, brought and shared their chocolate. They brought and shared, and that was the miracle. That, that was occurred. the real miracle. No. The real miracle is that they all had <laughs> gooey chocolate in their pockets and left it. <laughs> No, that's that's beautiful. That's beautiful, Peter. Yeah, I, I so, that. so that was just a really heartwarming moment. You know, I was like, oh, all right, and I, I sent everyone a picture. I was like, this is proof that you're all good people. So, oh, that's cool. That's cool. Well, my bean of the week um, is something called Sing Remembering Songs. It's an album by Ellie Holcomb. Drew Holcomb is one of my favorite musicians. Ellie's his wife that often sings harmony with him, but she's also an artist in of herself. She's I didn't know that. Kind of. Yeah, she's probably more uh, more explicitly Christian in our music, mm -hmm. um, but but it's not it's not it avoids the extreme teasiness maybe of like the um, like the far reaches of contemporary Christian music, right? It's mm -hmm. not as packaged. It's a little more um, good music, just just Nashville style. And uh, I love Ellie, and she, she and, and another genre that's cheesy sometimes is children's music albums correct i mean would right. you agree as a do you have many of those albums children's music albums uh our son isn't old enough really to be like into music so blessedly i don't have to listen to children's music yet 
and and when he is old enough, you better believe I'm just gonna sing him Irish songs. Like, there's no way I I want to bring out like the Wiggles or anything like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, the Wiggles aren't coming. No, no. But what I'm uh, offering here is that there's possibly a really good that I I, I think it's good um, children's album that Ellie uh, came up with. It's called Sing Remembering Songs, and it's definitely because it's some kids singing on it there's some little parts that you wouldn't normally mm-hmm. have in a regular song but it is a great song like i literally teared up today i was listening to it and i'm like oh my goodness that is true about who god is and who i am <laughs> and i was just i was loving it um <laughs> just picture father brad in his car like sing 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 <laughs> like singing along with the kids album but it was very very good it well wasn't okay. um it's well done and it and it the, 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 the themes are simple enough to just like kids need to know this that the yeah. Lord loves them and he sings over them and that he's written his song in creation and like mm-hmm. it's really cool so go check it out Ellie Holcomb they're a fantastic power couple Drew and Ellie and uh, Sing Remembering Songs is the, uh, the album so that was my bean of the week uh, speak, speak well, real quick of the Holcombs um, do you know about mm-hmm. Magnolia Record Club no they're awesome. Uh, I think Drew Holcomb is a founder, and it's basically just a, a record subscription. So if you're like you're into vinyl, then you just you can sign up and get like three months, or you get like a, a new record every month. And like that's how I found out Ooh. about Penny and Sparrow and a bunch of other artists that I really love, just because people have gotten me like a gift subscription to that. Um, oh, so, that's really cool. I need to get my sister. Yeah, again, I don't know. Again, I don't know if you care about vinyl. I often I really didn't until people got me this, and I was like, great, this is awesome. And now uh, now it's a fun little thing. Anyway, now, do you have a, the a way of playing it? Yeah, 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 final, yeah. Like, my, uh, my brother got me that when I moved down here, and then my sister got me the gift subscription right away. And then my parents were happy to get rid of all their old ones, so I have like old, like original yeah. Beatles and stuff, which is which is neat. So anyway, well, furthermore, just m- the speaking of Drew, furthermore, I am trying to plan a trip to a place called Stream Song. There's three golf courses in Florida. And it, they're like world-renowned top 50 courses in the United States. And there's something called the Headliner Golf uh, Experience. And so Drew and a bunch of other nat- his natural friends, like that kind of genre of people, are playing concerts at night. And I get to play string song, stream song during the day. And I am jacked. That's in November. So. Yeah, that sounds and like... Ellie will be there. Yeah, that sounds like a version of your heaven. <laughs> the eternal moment. The okay, eternal that's moment. enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. You've been listening to Coffee Talk with me, Father Brad, and our resident good Catholic, Peter Gohn. Uh Coffee Talk is brought to you by the Catholic Company, and it's part of the Good Catholic Podcast Cooperative. This episode has blessed you. You can find more content at goodcatholic.com slash podcast. As always, we ask you to leave a review, a rating, share the pod with a friend, or simply pray for us in our mission. If you have a question of your own that has been percolating, shoot us an email at askapriest at goodcatholic.com. We'll possibly feature it on a future episode and answer to the best of our ability. Quote the psalmist, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Continue to drink deeply from our great faith. We'll talk next week. And that wraps up this episode of Lunchtime Podcast Sampler on Catholic Radio Indy. You can find this podcast with links to the programs we shared at catholicradioindy.org. I'm Kent Blanford, and until next time, thanks for listening, and God bless.
You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy.